Hello. Ho ho ho! Merry holidays. I'm the Santa Claus. Little Santa Claus over here on Two Girls One Ghost. Two girls, one ghost. Sorry, I'm not done with the intro because I want to be Krampus, elves, and uh, all of the little holiday reindeer. I love that I went scary and you went straight back to happy. <laughs> you didn't affect my mood at all. I I can't be brought down. I just love this time of year. Me too. And also, have you, did you watch Casey Musgraves' holiday special? Mm-mm. Oh. So I've never listened to her music before, but now I'm obsessed with her because I just loved her holiday special. <laughs> she basically had a bunch of celebrity guests come in and they all sang Christmas songs together. Oh, that's fun. Or holiday songs. They're definitely not all Christmas, but... I just love... People get so excited and energized during this time because it's like, we have no work, some people, and then you can relax and you get to spend time with your friends and your family. We've had so many Christmas parties. Oh my God, yeah. I only get Christmas Day and New Year's Day off. Because you work in retail company. But I'm going to work really hard on those... What am I saying? You're going to not work hard at all on those days off? I'm not going to work at all on those days. <laughs> wow. Clearly my brain needs a break. Well, you'll get two days. What are your holiday traditions, Sabrina? What do you do? So now that I'm starting my own new family, I'm sure Nick and I will start our own traditions. But this Yeah, is- surprise, Sabrina's pregnant. That's what it made <laughs> sound like, Sabrina. <laughs> is that what it sounds like? Now that we like? have our own family. No. We're getting married. But no, this is the last year we're going to spend. Well, we don't know, but we're going to spend Christmas with our own families this year. My family does a big Christmas Eve and we go to my cousins in Pennsylvania and do a lot with them. Do the whole like seven fishes, Christian Italian meal thing. I don't know what that is, but that sounds amazing. But I don't eat it. So I don't really know what it is either. I didn't really know that's what we've been doing for the last 26 years, but apparently it is. And... (laughs) I just didn't know because I wasn't eating it. But and then my mom makes her famous lasagna on Christmas Day, and we just hang out and eat dinner. Yum! You guys can still, even when you do have a family, you can still go to the grandparents' house for Christmas. Yeah, I mean the thing that we need to decide is where do we go, and we'll have to switch every year because Nick's in Minnesota, where his family is. Yeah, true. Yeah. You guys are far away. Mm-hmm. Like my family, we go between. Like Bethel, Maine, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but we try to do both in one go. They're only three and a half hours apart. That's driving, nice. So yeah, flights are expensive. Although this year Nick is flying out to Pennsylvania at the day after Christmas. I'm excited for Christmas Eve because every single year my family we watch. I don't think it's intentional. I think we all just really like the movie, and it's usually on on Christmas Eve. What is it? But the original Rudolph the Red Nosed <gasps> Reindeer. Oh, that's so fun. From so long ago. Put one foot in front of Oh, that's the my other. favorite. It's so good. My family always watches A Christmas Story on Christmas Eve because it's on for 24 hours straight. Is it? Yeah. Wow. I never really got into that one movie. When we were kids, because it's kind of raunchy and foul, and we'd sneak to watch it. And as kids, we would put on little performances every year for Christmas Eve, and we'd always read The Night Before Christmas, and we'd pass the book along and read it to all the parents. Aw, that's so sweet. Yeah. I miss when I was a kid, and the Santa who came to my house would, on Christmas Eve, put lay out pajamas for both my brother and I, Aww. and the window would be left a crack open in each of our rooms, so we, we knew he went 
Santa went into our rooms. Oh my God, that's so cool. Isn't it cute? It was so fun. But now that I'm an adult, Santa does not do that for me anymore. Santa's like, buy your own pajamas this year, Corinne. Buy your own pajamas. I've got other kids to serve. I, my favorite was when you'd get home late on Christmas Eve and I'd be like, I want to sleep on the couch because I want to try to catch Santa. But Santa's so magical. You never can. Yes. No, you cannot catch Santa because my brother tried so hard to catch Santa. He literally, he set up our camcorder, our like recording video old school device to try to catch Santa one year. (laughs) Another year, he hung strings with bells on them from the ceiling of his bedroom so that when Santa and the reindeer landed on our roof, the bells would chime and he would know that Santa was there and to go sink down and catch him. That's actually very smart. Good for Christian. It's so smart. He was he was a bright kid. He was determined. I love that. This is also our last episode before the new year. It is. We're taking a dark week for Christmas so that we can enjoy it with our families. Yes. Yeah. And the new year. But we'll still be doing work. Don't worry, because we have to prepare for the one that comes out the week after. That's true. We're still recording and doing everything. <laughs> yeah. it's just, we're not we're not posting. Press and play. Oh my god, the my public. brain, it's not working. <laughs> okay, it's because well, I gave up milk and cookies. <laughs> oh my god, yum. I want some. Actually, one of Nick's swim lessons he coaches made us cookies. So maybe I'll eat that right now. If you hear any munching, it's Santa Claus. It's not me. It's Santa Claus. Wait, okay, so New Year's resolutions. Do you have any? I do. I have one New Year's well, I have a couple. But my main New Year's resolution is to stop leaving Boston every single weekend. I feel like 2019, there was always something, whether it be for the podcast or people's like wedding events or like work trips or visiting family. Like those are all good things, but they just so happen to basically take me out of Boston every single weekend. And so I think, I feel like I haven't spent enough time in my home city. So for 2020, I'm going to try really hard to basically just stay in Boston. Oh, that's great socialize in Boston. And then my other one is to start saving for a home because I want to buy a house so badly, but it's near impossible. I am fully supportive of all your New Year's goals. What are yours? I haven't given much thought to it. I feel like I'll make a impromptu split decision on New Year's Eve, but it's probably finding more of a balance in my life still. I'm still working on it. It's been a few years. Haven't haven't mastered it yet. I think that's something that you'll always work on because there's always going to be new things that come into your life, always new reasons to reset and try to re recalibrate and, and restructure your schedule, whether it be like new friends or a new home or a job that's further away or yeah. a kid. A kid. <laughs> you're really pushing this kid on me. I don't You're the one who brought it up in the beginning, Sabrina. You said a family. I brought up my new family with Nick. Wait, okay. So I found horoscopes. For both of us. You did? For the new year. Yeah. So I'm going to read your overview. And I'm, I just did horoscope.com. I didn't do anything okay. like. <laughs> Very reputable source. I did pull up two sources, but I thought maybe it was too much to read from two. So there's also sun signs. Which one do you want me to read? Hmm. I want sun signs. All right, girl. You ready? Yes. You Leo? Yep. Okay. 2020 is a year for change when it comes to relationships, romantic or not. Wow. Well, that means that I'll go from having none to maybe having one. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe it's Bigfoot. There may be some problems in your romantic life, Leo, if you're not with the right person, or even if you are. You can do two things when this happens. One, try to work things out or dump them. You are likely to want to know more about your partner this year, which could make things more exciting or terrible, depending on what you will find out about them. Will Leo get married in 2020? Will Leo get pregnant in 2020? (laughs) Also, can we just know that they gave two options? Either you're happy with your partner or you're not happy with your partner. They gave no option for just being, what does Emma Watson call herself? Um, Self. Self partner. Yeah. There's no option for not having a partner yet. Where's that? (laughs) Well, okay, here it is. If you're looking for a new relationship, you are likely to be happier with hookups than commitments this year. Maybe a (laughs) strings-free relationship is what you need this year. Do not date friends. It will only lead to trouble. When it comes to Leo relationships with your family or friends, you you may need to take many compromises this year. At times, your friends and family will feel down, so it's up to you to be the life of the party if you are a true Leo. Well, sounds like it if I'm just going to be, you know, hanging hanging out with these lads. I'm just the life of the party, man. Watch out 2020. No offense, but I don't like this horoscope (laughs) reading. Life of the party. Smooching boys left and right. (laughs) Curtin's just going to go on a rampage. (laughs) Apparently so. Watch out. Watch out. Okay, I'll do mine real quick. Uh, 2020 will more or less be a lot like 2019. That doesn't mean you can't improve. Virgo Horoscope 2020 suggests that you should use every year to try to improve your personal life, even if your social and work life may seem stagnant. I I like where I am, so maintaining that sounds good. I have a stereotypical trait of a good mother. Great. See? Kids. What's with us getting... Sabrina, having children in your future. <laughs> or another cat, because I'm a good mother to Leia. I guess that, that could, yeah. I will have enough money to pay for all of my expenses, as well as have some extra money to save for future. I can pay for my wedding? I'm so excited. Sabrina, we basically just got the same horoscope. I'm not sure I trust this site anymore. Okay, someone else send us our horoscopes, or send us our futures. Tell us what's happening. <laughs> Okay, okay. I am so excited about this topic because I love the darker side of Christmas. Oh, is is that the direction you went? Because I went absolutely opposite. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I well, because at first I wanted to do an episode about the dark side of Christmas, but we were like, oh, we don't know if there'd be enough for that. So we decided to do we wish you a Merry Christmas. Christmas. And also, we are completely understanding that there are many other religions out there and that plenty of people don't celebrate Christmas or observe Christian holidays. However, Sabrina and I were both raised Catholic, and so therefore we celebrate Christmas. So that's why we're focusing on Christmas, because this year, that's what we know. Yep. And I did a little bit of a Yule pagan holiday tradition. Well, not really a tradition. It's more of an Icelandic legend. And I got best of both worlds because I got to do a little bit of the darker side of Christmas okay. with Gryla the Christmas Witch. Gryla the Christmas Witch. Gryla. Christmas is great. It's beautiful. It's happy and jolly and full of toys for good girls and boys. But what if there are bad boys and girls? Because forget giving your naughty children coal this year for Christmas. You should tell them that Gryla, the Christmas witch, is going to 
eat them if they keep misbehaving. Does that happen? Does Gryla eat children? Oh, Gryla loves, loves to eat children. Oh no. And she loves to eat naughty children. She licks her plate clean because nothing screams a Christmas feast like naughty little children roasted on an open fire. Gross. <laughs> uh, and Gryla was actually featured a featured character on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the Christmas episode. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. She was the one that... Oh, I'm totally remembering that now. Yes, Gryla. Okay. I know. I feel like I know her now, now that you reminded me of that. Yeah. So she was the one that, because they didn't keep the... If you remember the episode during the Yule Tide, you have to keep the Yule Log lit the entire time to prevent the dark entities from coming in. But then the evil teacher like went in through the mirror and unlit the log. So all these evil entities came in and then they had to beckon Gryla to come get rid of all of them. But Gryla would only do it in exchange for a child. But her first appearance dates back to ancient pagan times and she originated in Iceland. There is a lot of debate in terms of what Gryla looks like or if she's a witch or an ogress or a troll, but everyone agrees she is terrifying and hideous. So one of the earliest references, written references was found in the 13th century, and one of the poems reads, Here comes Gryla down in the field with 15 tails on her. And another one says, Down comes Gryla from the outer fields with 40 tails, a bag on her back, a sword, a knife in her hand, coming to carve out the stomachs of children who cry for meat during Lent. According to legend, she is a horrifying Icelandic troll with 15 tails, and each tail is said to hold 100 bags, and each bag is said to hold 20 children, so that's 100 times 15 equals 1,500 times 20 equals 30,000 children that Gryla can carry at one Jeez, time. Jeez, um, that's... Uh, okay, kids, be safe this year. Be, be good, because that's scary, and clearly she has room for you. Very scary. She has room. You know what? Behave. I do, just to interrupt for one moment, mm-hmm. I do love Iceland so much. And I read a fun fact about Iceland the other day. And I'm going to butcher it because I don't have the fact in front of me. But basically, it was something like, as of like 2014, 60% of the Icelandic population believes in elves. And they had to move some sort of like mountain or like rock to make way for a new road a few years ago and everyone was freaking out because they were like that's the where the elves live that's like one of their castles and so they actually used a crane and relocated the elves (gasps) home for them to make sure that they were okay oh i love that that's very special so special i also read a fact that in reykjavik Reykjavik, on new year's oh i didn't read this one of my coworkers told me that on i guess they legalize fireworks for like 10 days a year and new year's is one of those days and so on new year's eve it's all just rogue fireworks and if you look up pictures there's thousands in the sky it's amazing anyone can buy in them Reykjavik? and then just set them off anywhere in Reykjavik yeah oh my gosh okay I'm gonna look this up after because that sounds wonderful and I do know that they have heated sidewalks too so that you won't slip and fall what the heck Iceland's got it going on man I want to go we should just copy everything they do you can drink the water from the stream there. I want to go, but I'm glad I'm not a child because I don't want to mess with Gryla. Yes, no way. So if 30,000 kids weren't enough for Gryla, they're not because she apparently can carry children in a bag on her thigh as well. 
which I'm like very impressed at how strong she must be. Oh, yes. That girl must have monstrously strong thighs. Yeah. Some reports say that she has 300 heads and each head has three eyes. Some claim she has an eye in the back of her head and ears that hang so long that they hit her nose and that she has a matted beard, blackened teeth and hooves. And I feel like this is a drawing prompt that you'd get in middle school. That It's like draw something with 300 heads and three eyes on each head. Yes. Because I feel like just in describing this, there are 20 different images that pop in my head of what she could look like. I know, but whatever it is, it's it's terrifying. And yeah, even if she were a good witch, a good creature, it sounds like regardless, she's terrifying to look at. Yes. Yeah. And she's a Christmas witch. I would just prefer to just talk about the to witness. She is said to be in a perpetual bad mood due to her insatiable hunger for children. Basically, she's hangry. And each Christmas, Gryla comes down from her mountain dwelling to hunt for bad children. She places them in her sacks and drags them back to her cave where she'll boil them alive in her favorite stew. What's strange is that Gryla had 13 children or has 13 children of her own, but she would never eat them. She did, although, kill two of her three husbands because they bored her. And it said that one of them bored her so much, she just decided to eat him. Whoa. And now her current husband, his name is Lepaludi. Sorry, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But he seems like he'll be next because apparently he's like a lazy bum who just sits around waiting for Gryla to bring them the children back. He sounds kind of boring, and I feel like it's inevitable that he's next. Wow. This reminds me of lightning bugs, how the, the mothers just kill their their suitors oh that's fun chew their heads off creatures do that yeah quite a few but she loves her 13 children all 13 of them they're all males they are called the christmas goblins or the yule lads so her whole family haunts the like christmas time the yule time in iceland so her 13 yule lads the sons cause mischief during the 13 days leading up to christmas So forget the 12 days of Christmas song. These Yule lads are not bringing turtle doves or gold rings. They are doing weird ass things. I'll tell you what they do. But they come to steal your pie, lick your milk buckets, steal from you, keep you up all night and watch you while you're sleeping. They lick your milk buckets. That's the one that bothers me the most. (laughs) Not in the term, not in the context. Like legit milk buckets, not your boobs. I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking actual milk buckets. (laughs) Sabrina. (laughs) I thought you were thinking. No, I was just thinking it's like (laughs) the least harmful act to just lick someone's drink. And yet it's just, it just gets under your skin. It's like, why would you do that? It's gross. Yeah. So, okay. I'll tell you all 13 of her children. (laughs) The first. (laughs) I didn't think about that until I said it out loud. And then you reacted to milk buckets. And I was like, oh, was she thinking it was that? (laughs) Oh, it's our milk torpedoes, baby. (laughs) Okay, so her first child, Sheep Coat Clog, they all have strange names. He comes on the the first night of the 13 days of Christmas, and he is a peg-legged sheep fancier. So he likes to look at sheep, but his peg leg impairs him, so it makes it difficult for him to do so. Goalie Gawk is the second child. He hides out in ditches or gullies and waits for a good time to run into a cow shed and lick the foam off the milk in the milking buckets. (laughs) Stubby, his name 
speaks to his stature. He's very short. And if your pie is missing, you can bet Stubby has stolen it to eat whatever pie crust was left behind. And then Spoon Licker is very, very on the nose because he is a licker and thief of spoons. The Pot Scraper is a petty thief of leftovers. The Bowl Licker, they all have very um, spot on names. They love licking. Keep your tongue in your mouth. I know. What's going on with these guys? Bowl Licker likes to hide under your bed, wait for you absentmindedly to put down your bowl so he can steal and yes, lick it. Also... Is everybody eating in bed? I don't ever bring bowls to I my bed. I guess so. Maybe he's waiting under the table too. Maybe. Also, I have questions about spoon liquor. Does he leave the spoons out so that you're able to differentiate between the spoons he licked and the clean spoons? Or does he put them back? Well, it seems like he'd probably put them back or he'd steal the, the spoon he licks. Mm. All right, spoon liquor. Keeping my eye on you. <laughs> Door slammer. Can you guess what he does? Oh, does he crawl underneath the table and and scratch your ankles he slams doors oh i should have guessed that (laughs) but he does it the second you start to fall asleep he'll slam a door and you're like ugh, and then you'll start to go to sleep again and then he'll slam a door god that that that's torture that's pretty mischievous yeah to keep people from as they're just about to fall asleep oh no 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 yeah that's like a real haunting like you'd think there's a ghost they do that i believe in sleep studies to see oh. how it affects people if they're kept or like woken up just as they're about to fall asleep versus if they're just woken up multiple times throughout the night while they had been asleep. Either way, it sounds miserable. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds horrible. The Sky Gobbler. There's apparently a type of yogurt called Skrr, Skyer. I don't know. But this guy will come and gobble it all up. So Oh, Skrr. Skrr. Yes. Oh, Skrr. Icelandic Skrr. It's delicious. And then there's the sausage swiper who steals your sausage. So keep your sausage hidden. You know, Iceland is is known for their hot dogs. So I believe that he's after the sausage. He's after it. And then there's the window peeper who watches you and is probably watching you right now if you're being a naughty little child. So we have a, Sorry, we have a window peeper. We have a sausage stealer and we have a milk jug licker. Yeah. Doesn't sound good altogether. And many more. If you're targeted by all 13, you're not in a no. good place. <laughs> and then there's the doorway sniffer who uses his incredibly large nose to sniff through doors and search for leaf bread, which is a traditional Icelandic Christmas bread. And he'll come and okay, steal it. I identify with him. Maybe he'll lick it. I, I <laughs> think if we had to be, who would you be? Uh, I have two more and then we'll decide. Oh, okay. Then there's the meat hook who brings a hook with him everywhere he goes so he can steal meat. Oh, maybe maybe I like him more. And then there's the candle stealer who follows children around so he can steal their candles and leave them in the dark. Oh. Which is perfect Which because then he's the last one to come on the 13 days and then it's Christmas. And then Gryla comes down and takes the children and they're now in dark because uh. candle stealer stole their candles. You know what? It seems like beyond just general annoyance of whoever's in the home it sounds like they're very just selfish the only one who's actually doing something for gryla is the very last one the candle stealer mm-hmm. but they're putting everyone on edge you know that's true that's true all right which one do you want to be well i thought i was the door sniffer but now i'm thinking i'm meat hook that's a good one who are you i think i'm spoon licker 
all right. I'm never <laughs> inviting you over to my house, spoon liquor. It just seems like the most satisfying one. Either that or the pie stealer. Pie stealer is that sounds good because you get to eat. What's his name? Uh, stubby. I'm stubby. <laughs> so okay, so in in modern times, the Yule lads have been depicted more benevolent and kind of given more of like a elfish style Santa Clausy fashion, but they are not very nice. And in like in urban or in tra- modern tradition, they're said to leave small gifts and shoes that have been placed in the windowsills. But if the child has been bad, they leave a potato instead. Mm. But that's kind of just a in kind of trying to merge traditions with today's modern Christmas traditions. In the east of Iceland, there uh, existed a folktale of a specific group of Yule lads who did not come from the mountains, but came from the ocean. And one very obscure nursery rhyme, which makes me laugh that it's a nursery rhyme, mentions there being two female Yule pranksters who steal melted fat by either stuffing it up their nose or putting it in socks. Hmm. Either way, after the 13 days of this mischief, Gryla will descend from her cave and come steal your children and eat them. And then, if you thought that was scary, Gryla also has a Yule cat, who is not a normal cat, so I'm going to call it the giant fake cat because I don't want to give cats bad reps. But... This giant fake cat enjoys feasting on both children and adults and does not care whether you were bad or good during the year. That's Gryla's business. The giant fake cat just wants to eat everyone. But unlike Gryla, this cat can actually be bribed as long as you're wearing brand new clothing. So if you want to prevent being torn to shreds from a towering not not very cat-like monster, you better go shopping and get something cute or new. It's a lot of pressure. There's a lot it of is. things to think about in terms really of Gryla. She, so like I said, she was mentioned at first in a 13th century poem. She began as a personification of winter and the darkness and the snow getting closer and taking over the land. And she represented this threat, but also that she was seen as controlling the landscape. Then in like the 19th century, she became more connected to Christmas and Yule time, mm-hmm. Yuletide traditions. And one possible connection to Christmas comes from Icelandic folklore, which states that trolls very actively hate Christianity because they've turned to stone at churches. And like that might be why Gryla wanted to take revenge on Christmas. Hmm. That and in Iceland, the midwinter holiday, which is Yule, is described as a time of gathering together, feasting and celebrating with your family, your loved ones, living and deceased, but also with elves, trolls, and other magical and spooky creatures that are are residents to the land. And so sometimes these figures would visit in the flesh as masked figures going around to farms and houses during the season, and Gryla's among many of those creatures who would have been celebrated and welcomed to Yuletide. People in Iceland take the story of Gryla very seriously and are cautious to protect their children from her wrath on Christmas Day. The story was so frightening and the threat of cannibalism was so scary to Icelandic residents that in 1746, a decree was signed to prohibit the telling of the story of Gryla and the Christmas goblins to prevent frightening the children, but to each their own. Because when my children are misbehaving when they're kids, I'm not going to have like Santa call. I'm going to tell them that Gryla is going to come and eat them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) In more recent years, Iceland as a whole has been trying to make an effort to return the Yule lads to their pre-Santa roots and trying to get them dressing into 17th and 18th century ragged clothes 
and they're claimed to now look like hell's angels without bikes, which is kind of cool. So I'm kind of badass. And now a lot of times in Iceland, people will dress up as the Yule lads and entertain and sing children who visit the National Museum in Iceland. And although quite scary, Gryla has never stopped being embraced in Iceland and Chilling Adventures of Serena was Gryla's first appearance on television. So let's spread the word about her. Just make sure your kids are behaving. Oh, yes. Or else Gryla will come and eat them. So, so scary. Mm -hmm. That's Gryla. Gryla. I wonder where her main residence is. You know, like Santa's in the North Pole, but is she just hanging out in Iceland until... She's basically summoned. So she has, there's a mountain range. Let me look for it. I'm, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, which is probably why I avoided saying it earlier. Dima, Dima Borger Mountains. In Iceland. In Iceland. And she has like a little cave up there where her and her third husband, who she might inevitably eat one day soon, her 13 children and her Yule cat reside until it's Christmas time. Wow. Okay. So they live in the mountains yeah. for most of the year. So we're only open to Gryla's visits on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Sorry, what did you say? I believe it's Christmas Eve into like the night morning of. In the darkness. The darkness. Yeah. She's a little so bit like the Grinch, you know? She has some similarities to the Grinch. Sleep, staying in the cave. Her heart just needs to grow three sizes. Yeah, instead of stealing Christmas, she steals children. Gryla, come on. <laughs> okay, what do you have that's more light and fluffy and happy? Yes, mine does not eat children <laughs> because this is a Christmas episode. And so my <laughs> mind went to choosing a suitable story um, that's wonderful uh, with a wonderful witch that is in fact named Wonderful. Oh, Wonderful. Which wonderful. Oh, that's such a nice name. I know. It's lovely. It's wonderful. It's... <laughs> Shoot, I missed it. Oh my God. I'm so mad at myself. I'm going to beat myself up for this all day. <sighs> it's like Jeff the Mongoose episode when Marissa texted me after and was like, you didn't say like, my name is Jeff. And I was like, why didn't I say that? Wait, didn't you? No, in a, a later episode, I think I said oh. that marissa told me i should say my name is jeff and now i'm saying it again because clearly i didn't get over it <laughs> okay but now we are on which wonderful who is wonderful okay. <laughs> so take yourself back in time with me we are traveling to massachusetts in the 1600s to nahant which Ooh. sabrina you have not been to but i pointed it out multiple times when we've been driving up the coast uh nahant is a coastal town in the north shore so for us sabrina it was on our drive up to salem oh that's so fun yes um it's actually a peninsula that has just a beautiful beach and the town itself is super super small there is a strip of land that connects nahant to the mainland it's so skinny it's basically like just slightly wider than a two-lane road and at the widest part of nahant the land is only just over a mile wide. So it's it's so small. Oh, wait, I love that. That seems so quaint. It's a tiny, petite little town. Uh, the name Nahant comes from Native American language, meaning the point or almost an island. It's mm. very small. It has a small number of residents. 
uh, it was settled in 1630 with only three homes at the time, and it had been used for cattle to graze, the the cattle belonging to um, residents either on Nahant or in the neighboring town Lynn, which is also a coastal town. But one of Nahant's claims to fame is that it was one of the shooting locations for the movie Shutter Island. No way. And it's also the hometown of my friend Kelsey. So... <laughs> Shutter Island is my favorite. Oh, yeah. They did, uh, I think, the the lighthouse <gasps> scene. I believe, from what Kelsey told me, and I might be saying this incorrectly, but I believe they filmed on, like, the rocky shore of Nahant and built a base for the lighthouse, but they pretty much used CGI for gotcha. the lighthouse. But the base and the rocks and ocean and stuff are Nahant. That's amazing. Back before Leonardo DiCaprio was frolicking on the shores of Nahant in 1675, 40 Native Americans canoed from Pocasset, which is in Cape Cod. It's on like the southern uh, shore of Cape Cod. Mm -hmm. They canoed up to Lynn, Massachusetts to raid Lynn, Massachusetts. This was during the King Philip's War, which we discussed a bit, I believe, in the Bridgewater Triangle episode. um, Because there were some hauntings there. Yeah, it was... A, a bloody war. So if people want to look into it, you can either listen back to that episode or do some research on your own. But basically what happened was these Pocasset Native Americans, they canoed up, they raided Lynn, but the it didn't, it didn't go so well. So they took up battle with the settlers of Lynn, specifically a sea captain and his soldiers. And they were kind of like battling it out at first, but the Native Americans were forced to retreat. So they they ran for cover. They ran towards Nahant. And upon navigating the shores of the cliff, they noticed an opening to a cave. And they Ooh. were desperate for cover as the settlers are chasing after them, trying to find them. And so they run into the cave and they hid there. And the men of Lynn, who had been chasing them, lost sight of them, were walking around, couldn't find them, eventually gave up looking and went back to Lynn temporarily. Um, And this cave is now a famous cave because of the story. It's named Swallow Cave because of the large number of swallows that nest in the cave. It is about 24 yards deep and just over six feet tall. The cave is really narrow. It faces the ocean. And the floor of the cave is filled with like barnacles. It's kind of irregularly shaped. The rocks are kind of craggy because it's been carved out from the sea. That's cool. And it can be slippery and the tide comes in. So you want to be careful if you're going to visit there because the tide comes into the cave. It partially fills it with water and it blocks one of the two entrances. And there's a bunch of sea life. There's like little small crabs, snails, starfish, barnacles. So it actually does sound quite wonderful. If you're only planning to visit the cave for a short period of time. But these Native Mm -hmm. Americans, they were staying in this cave for days, hiding for days. So I'm sure it was difficult for them to navigate, you know, having shelter in the cave. But then also when the water fills up the cave, kind of having to be exposed above the cave. Right. And so they're hiding here, trying to replan their attack on Lynn. And then in turn, the settlers of Lynn are also trying to plan their attack so now we have two parties that are basically just hiding within like a mile away from each other trying to figure out where each other are and how to attack each other they're preparing for another battle and they spend the next two weeks like training and prepping for the encounter with one another wow so wait how do they prep and train when they're in a cave 
I think just like in terms of how they'll approach when they approach kind of like in the darkness of night or, you know. I was imagining like push-ups and weapons training. No. <laughs> Rocky, like running up the stairs. Yeah, exactly. Not quite. It was more of more strategy, I believe. Gotcha. Okay. And also, mind you, they had like bow and arrows. And at the time, the settlers had muskets. So they oh. had to be strategic because yeah, muskets aren't the best thing to go up against. So the settlers in Lynn, after they couldn't find the Native Americans who had run to Nahant, they're, they're now back in Lynn. They're planning to head back down to Nahant, hopefully. So the settlers of Lynn, the sea captain and the soldiers and, and people that worked on his boat and just other people in Lynn who are now involved in this case, they're planning to find the Native Americans because at this point, a few weeks have passed. They're like, either these people are gone or they're hiding and waiting for us to approach them. Mm. So they're trying to find them. But before they do that, they head up north to Salem, Massachusetts yes. to consult with a fortune teller. A 70-year-old witch named Witch Wonderful. Oh. And Wonderful was actually very highly respected in her community, having a reputation for predicting future events and especially for helping people find lost things, oh. like your lost enemy. So people really liked her, and she was able to live peacefully and be a practicing witch. In Salem, which is amazing. Yes, in Salem, 17 years before the Salem Witch Trials. Oh my gosh. She just made it. Isn't that insane? Wow. It's so crazy to think about. So the men arrive to Witch Wonderful's residence, and before they're able to go in and tell Wonderful what they were up to, she immediately tells them that she she knows exactly what their quest is, why they're there, and she tells them that the Native Americans that they're looking for are hiding along the shores of Nahant, waiting to attack. And wow. according to legend, which wonderful then sang, Mingle, 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 away apart, together single. The Indians on the shore you'll see, your death or life, remember me. <gasps> Ooh! So the men are like, woohoo, wonderful is amazing. We're stoked. How easy was that? We didn't even have to tell her anything. She gave us all the info. So they... Head off for Nahant, and they begin uh, at a place called Forty Steps. And and if you look at pictures of Forty Steps, it's probably wasn't called Forty Steps at the time, but right there's just um stairs like wooden stairs that go down, and I'm assuming there are Forty Steps. That would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> the captain and his men they're they're crouching low, they're lying in wait in the darkness of night now over by Forty Steps. And as they're waiting, a Native American walks by and he spots one of them. And the Native American starts sounding the alert to the rest of the tribe that these settlers are are back. And so both parties, they run away, they hide from one another, and the captain then walks up on top of the cliff, which happens to be on top of Swallow Cave. And he heard two of the Native Americans discussing their attack and their plans to go back to Lynn and to just kill all of the people the next day and so angrily the captain's like no we need to kill you first really horrible <laughs> war is awful colonization is, is awful it's also so just ridiculous he raises his musket ready to shoot these unarmed native americans hiding in a cave when suddenly he hears wonderful's voice speak out behind him <gasps> and they turn around 
and wonderful is there. She just appears. Oh my gosh. And she warns the men. She tells them, do not shed any blood that she will speak to the Native Americans and that all men can return home safely if they let her do that. (gasps) So surely she would help everyone come to an understanding. So they were like, fine, we don't really want to, you know, have either party surrender. They were all high on emotions and and charged with testosterone. (laughs) Um, but Wonderful did just that. She went to the Native Americans. She went in between them and the tribe and the settlers slash colonizers slash sea captain and basically were like, all right, here's what's going to happen. The Native Americans are going to go find their hidden canoes. They're going to go back to Pocasset. They're not going to come back to Lynn. They promise that they'll never attack the white men of Lynn again. And then you guys need to just drop it, okay? I love her. And so that's that's what happens. The The Native Americans return home without a life lost. And she was very respected for her actions. People did not want more. People did not want to have trouble with, you know, tribes. And, and they didn't want to, inland, they didn't want to see anyone die, whether that be someone, their own neighbor or someone who was visiting in town like a Native American. But they were just stoked that she was able to do this, that she really was living up to her name, that she was wonderful. Oh, and her predictions and fortune telling did not end that day in the cave, but they did end pretty soon after because which wonderful actually predicted her own death only a few days after the swallow cave incident. She predicted her death and two weeks later she passed away. What? She was found in her home by two soldiers and the people of the neighboring town, Lynn, buried her body on top of a hill overlooking Swallow Cave to honor her actions. She (gasps) saved the Native Americans from massacre. She brought some sort of peace or agreement between the the Native Americans and the new residents of Lynn. And that seemed to be the place that she wanted to be buried because her spirit has been seen walking on the rocky shore and in the cave. She usually appears around dusk, and her spectral image appears as a misty apparition at the mouth of the cave. And if you'd like to go visit the cave, just be sure you check the tide schedule before going, because it can be really slippery and dangerous if the tide starts coming in while you're in there. Yikes. Um, And if you're having trouble finding the cave, here's a fun historical fact for you. Please tell me. The house, there was a house built just above the cave, on the cliff above the cave, right next to the entrance, mm-hmm. that was built in 1930s for Franklin D. Roosevelt's son. So you kind of hit two historic things at once if you go. Wait, that's amazing. We have to go to this next time. I think we should. I've only been to the beach in Haunt, so I'm super down to explore the little town. Wow. It's the perfect place to just bring a bike and just bike through the whole town because it's so small. And I'm pretty sure they have um, like a, a marine lab there for you to look at all the sea creatures. Oh, it's just a bunch cool. of different stuff. Wow. I She's so special. She's so special. She was so like before her time too. You know, she she was a practicing witch who was actually extremely respected and revered and was able to live a peaceful life. Yeah. And then she also did not get caught up in the politics of things. She just wanted everyone to be safe. I wonder, though, if she was able to predict what was going to happen in Salem. Oh. Like if she knew that was the future. Right. I wonder if she had any will in terms of 
deciding her own death too. You know, like she predicted right. her own death, but I wonder if that was, if she had the ability to basically say like, I need to, I'm ready to die now because this is, this is a good time to go versus what I see happening in the future right. to me. I also wonder if like she, she passed when she did because she used so much of her power to put an end to this war. Right. I don't know. I need to go visit Lynn and Haunt, though. Yeah. She seems like a nice spirit to see. You'd want to see her. Right. And she's now, she's still hanging out at the cave, I'm sure. Probably, I don't know if it's just like a happy memory that she was able to Mm -hmm. save these two groups of people from killing each other. And so she wants to be there. Or if there's some part of her, some part of her spirit that maybe thinks that it will happen again, regardless of the oh. agreement that she she helped create and so she's waiting there to save the future people that will go hide in the cave interesting it it really is reminiscent of shutter island like i thought she was going to be living in the cave to start yeah i know but no she had her own she had a home yeah but her magic is connected to it which is very special yes yeah and instead of being buried up in salem they they gave her a place overlooking the place that she should be honored at, you know, like the place that she saved everybody. I love that. That is which wonderful. How wonderful. What a nice story for this Christmas holiday episode. (laughs) It doesn't happen on Christmas, but she is full of joy and will help you. So after you tell your kids about which wonderful, go back and tell them now, if you're not good, if you don't behave, Gryla will come and eat you. Gryla. So scary. We have listener stories. We do. Oh, I'm so excited. So this is from Erin. She says, happy holidays from the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Hi, ladies. My name is Erin, and I've been listening to your podcast since the box of oddities sent me to you. Woohoo, shout out. And I'm absolutely in love. I have a creepy story I've been wanting to share with you for a while, and now I'm finding the time. So my boyfriend's mom lives in Terrytown, New York, and we went and visited her for Christmas last year. Our second to last night there, it was casually brought up that Terrytown is just south of Sleepy Hollow and that the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery was only a 15-minute walk. I turned to my boyfriend and said, we have to go. So on Christmas night, around 9 or 10 p.m., we threw on our coats, grabbed a six-pack of beer, and walked on an old bicycle trail that would take us to the backside of the cemetery. Let me tell you, two minutes on the grown-in gravel trail, I was already scared. There was an old dim light lighting up the trail every 100 yards or so. It looked like the making of a horror movie. I was just waiting for something or someone to appear under those lights. The lights soon ended completely and the trail thinned. I was beginning to feel convinced that we were lost when we ran into an old chain link fence. My fear briefly turned into excitement and after we jumped the fence, my feet were planted on the ground of the grass of the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery and my mind was flushed with thoughts. I was intensely wondering if we were welcome there and would we actually see something. We began to walk around. It was rather beautiful. There were no lights except lit candles by graves and the distant sound of the creek rushing water nearby. The water the headless horseman couldn't cross. After a while of walking around, The silence was shattered by the unmistakable sound of a pack of coyotes howling into the night. They sounded so close, and I had never heard coyotes so loud before. I looked at my boyfriend and said, let's walk back the other way. 
I turned and began quickly walking back into the other direction when I almost straight up ran into freshly dug graves. I let out a little scream as I found my balance. My boyfriend caught up to me and we both stared at the two piles of fresh dirt that came up to our knees. I felt immensely sad. My boyfriend turned on his flashlight at the headstones and my heart dropped. It turns out both individuals had been buried in 1996. I had let out a loud nope and my boyfriend and I clasped hands and practically jogged away towards the bridge that crossed the creek. On the other side of the bridge, we walked the path along the water. I began to calm down and was enjoying the walking around again. The cemetery is full of rolling hills, trees, and old buildings. And after we had kind of regained ourselves a little bit, we stopped dead in our tracks because something was crossing the paths in front of us, right in front of us, like maybe 30 feet away. We looked at each other and back at the creature and it was gone. Was it a deer? We wondered. It had to have been a deer. We needed to know, so we jogged quietly to the spot where the deer had crossed, and it was a path junction so we could clearly see see where it had gone, but there was nothing on the wide open gravel road, and it had only been a few seconds. We still tried to tell ourselves that it was a deer, but it didn't seem quite right. What we saw from pitch black and disappeared without a sound. If the deer had gotten away from us so quickly, why didn't we hear it running away? Whatever it was didn't make a single sound. We also wonder to this day why the dirt in those old graves was so fresh. If you ever get the chance to spend Christmas night in the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, I would highly recommend it. Thanks for reading my story. Keep up the beautiful work, my pretties. Much love, Erin. P.S. On this trip, we also went from a hike in the Catskills, a.k.a. the Crone of Catskills. I had never heard of that area being haunted until I heard about your episode and about the crone a few months later. However, on the hike, my boyfriend and I got lost several times and just barely made it out of the woods before dark. Mm. Coincidence? I think not. Oh my goodness. Mm. And Sleepy Hollow has so many legends and is very haunted. We should definitely do an episode about it. It just makes me think that it's like some sort of weird creature, paranormal creature, right. like not even necessarily a spirit. Although, yeah. Ooh, I don't know. The fresh graves are... There's probably reasons why they would do that. Like they needed to rebury them or do something. Or I don't know. I mean, a lot of cemeteries have these like legends around them that they have this protecting ghost or the, you know, the specific dog that's watching over the cemetery. Yes. Because a lot of cemeteries would bury a dog or an animal before they ever buried bodies because they wanted someone to protect or something to protect the cemetery and all the souls. So maybe it's just a, the, you know, the cemetery's spirit who watches over and makes just make sure that no one's doing any harm to the bodies. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's definitely possible. It's yeah. Just the fact that it's silent, it almost reminds me a bit of like Bigfoot <laughs> in a way. <laughs> you, you know? just want it to be Bigfoot. I, maybe it's a baby oh, Bigfoot. That's cute. It's possible. I won't rule that yeah. out. Okay. I won't either. That's a fun Christmas night thing to do, though. That is. That makes me want to come up with some sort of, like, spooky thing for my cousins and I to do on Christmas. You should. Or my family. You should. We should just go to, like, a haunted restaurant or something. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. Okay, what's your story? I have an email from Alyssa. It's called Ghost or Santa. Ooh. Hey, guys. My name is Alyssa, and I just started listening to your podcast, but I'm already hooked. I listen to it all the time now, and I swear I'm a little bit more jumpy because of it, (laughs) but it's so worth it. Yes. (laughs) When it comes to ghosts or anything not of this world, I'm a little bit of a skeptic, mostly because this kind of stuff creeps me out to no end, and it's easier to pretend it doesn't exist. 
For a long time, I believed that I haven't had any paranormal experiences, but now that I'm older, there are a few things from my childhood that just don't make sense to me. Now that it's getting close to Christmas, my family and I were putting up our tree, talking about some things that happened when my brother and I were younger. Lately, ghosts and all things weird have been a very hot topic in the house because of some things that have happened recently, but that's a totally different story. Anyway, as we were putting up our tree, my brother and I remembered something that happened to both of us when we were younger. At the time, we were living in our old house that we moved out of three years ago. That house was kind of big, and there were always random noises coming from other parts of the house. Looking back on it, many things happened there that I can't explain and don't really like to think about. This particular event happened about 10 years ago when my brother was about six and I was about eight or nine. It was Christmas Eve and my mom had made us go to bed early that night saying Santa wouldn't come until we were in bed. Mm -hmm. Like most children, we were both too excited to sleep and we stayed up well (laughs) into the night. We didn't share a room, but our rooms were right next to each other and I knew he was up because I could hear his TV. It wasn't until around midnight when our house was finally silent and I was on my way to falling asleep. As I was drifting off, I distantly heard the sound of footsteps going down our hall towards our bathroom and then down the stairs. I played that off as either being my brother sneaking downstairs or my dog who's not graceful whatsoever and always makes loud noises wherever she goes. It wasn't until the next morning that things got weird. My brother came bouncing down the stairs exclaiming that Santa had visited him the night before. Oh my gosh. Obviously, my parents were more than a little bit concerned about that, but my brother was too excited and too young to understand why that would raise any concern. My brother had told us that a little after he had turned off the TV, he heard his bedroom door open and then felt someone sit on the end of his bed. (gasps) Apparently, someone had touched his leg and whispered, good, before getting up and leaving. He had thought, That person, or Santa, had meant that he had been good all year, and obviously he was on the nice list. (laughs) My mom tried to play it off as him just dreaming while my dad went and walked around the house to check, and no one was there. After that, we went about our day as usual, and it wasn't until that night that something else weird happened. Oh my gosh. Since I was a little bit older at the time, I knew that the person who visited my brother that night before wasn't Santa at all, but my method for weird things like this is just to go with it and not question anything. Now, as a kid, and even sometimes still, I sleep with my body completely under the covers. Not a single part of me could be seen, and that is how I liked it. (laughs) Anyways, I was in bed that night when I heard someone enter my room and sit on my bed. The person ran their hand up and down my leg for what felt like hours before they got up and left. I knew it wasn't my mom who usually came in to check on me before going to bed because I could still hear the TV on downstairs and the person didn't say the prayer my mom always did when she was checking up on us. No. I guess I just suppressed this memory up until now when my dad made a joke about my brother being visited by Santa. My dad does not believe in the ghost at all. So to the rest of us, that wasn't a joke, but a creepy reminder of something that definitely happened to us that we still can't explain. That kind of thing happened a lot in that house. And there are many more stories that I have. Well, that's all from me, guys. See y'all on the other side. Alyssa. Oh my gosh. At first, I thought it was Gryla going around saying, he's too good. I can't, I can't take him. Too good. Too good, little boy. Okay. They have a creepy ghost in their house. 
I know because part of me was like, what if there was an intruder? In the beginning, I was like, maybe there was an intruder that came and was in her brother's room. But then the fact that it was there again the next night. Right. While the parents were downstairs in the kitchen or living room or whatever. There's a spirit. There's a spirit. And it also, yeah, it felt like it, it was in her room, but she couldn't see it too in that second night. Right. But she was also under the covers completely blocking herself from obscuring herself from seeing anything that she wasn't willing to right, let herself right. see it's so scary i wonder uh, i wonder if there's any history about the house that they could find out i know i know well they've been out of there for over like three years by now so the weird like rubbing her leg for a really uncomfortable amount of time makes me very uncomfortable same same and she was like nine yeah santa doesn't do that santa does not do that no one should do that no, no Ever. one should. And it makes me wonder too. I was thinking like, what if it was a like deceased relative, like a great grandma or something that was just like checking in, right. wanting to be with the kids on Christmas morning. Maybe. That's a nice thought. Christmas day. But I don't know. There are parts of it that just seem too creepy. I know. That, that's the thing. I like, I, I like that thought, but it does have, especially with her describing the discomfort of it, it doesn't, it doesn't give me good vibes. No, no, no. No. So I guess not everything on Christmas or the holiday season is so jolly and bright. I guess not. There's child-eating monsters. There are ghosts. Ghosts are still around. Demons are still around. Ghosts are still around, yeah. They're all still there. Just because you're you're watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and eating sugar cookies does not keep you from the spirits that lurk around your home. They want to celebrate too. They want to be with you. By possessing your soul. (laughs) Scary. Well, if you guys have any holiday story, it doesn't have to be Christmas. Like we said, we know everyone celebrates different religions and has different religions and practices. So we want to be, we want to tell your stories. Tell them all to us. Any holiday traditions that you have and ghosts that you've seen on your holidays. And email them to us at twogirlsmongoespodcast at gmail.com. And before we say goodbye until next year, we wanted to say thank you, thank you. You can also support us in a variety of ways. We have new merch that came out. So thank you to Anne and Lindsay, the designers of the two new designs up on our yes. on our website. Thank you to Eric Foster from Upfire Digital. And you can also check out our Patreon. You can read and review us on iTunes. Tell every single relative or a friend from like high school that you run into when you're home. Mm-hmm. Tell them about us. Tell them everything. Join our pyramid scheme. Do it. We love pyramid schemes. We love them. And we will see you on in 2020. <laughs> switching it up on me sorry i had to change it we're not gonna see people till next year see you next year or talk to people i guess we never actually see people so we'll talk to you all right well if we don't see you next year at least we will see you on the other side very spooky